Welcome to episode 332 of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, I'm pleased to introduce you to my good friend, Darren Wynn. With a history in the retail trade, Darren is the manager of the Upmarket 22 Cafe and Shop in the town of Burgess Hill in England. He shares my passion for the afterlife and for the past six years has been the circle leader for the Austin Wish Circle. This circle has been sitting for almost 24 years to build a bridge between our world and the unseen world, proving to those who sit the evidence of the afterlife. If you've heard any of the extraordinary episodes that I've had on the show about physical mediumship, no doubt you've heard me speak with physical medium Scott Milligan. Now you get to hear from Darren, who is the leader behind the circle that Scott sits in. Darren Wynn, my good friend, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's fun because you and I have spent many hours together playing and having cocktails and such, and now we get we to have. talk this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> it, it is. I, I have said in my show, I've met my, some of the best friends of my life through my oh. afterlife exploration, and you and Scott are right there in my handful of close friends, so I'm super grateful. Likewise. Yeah, and as much fun as we have, we also are doing some extraordinary stuff. And on the show, we've talked a little bit about physical mediumship, but I just thought we could hear some things from your words, kind of your past, a little bit about who you are and okay. how you got into this world. Because, you know, it's, it's, a really sh- it's a little weird. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, it's really strange how I came into it. I apologize first because I've got a bit of a cold, so my throat's a little bit. So I may sound a bit weird at times, no um, but it's nothing unusual there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of weird how I came into it all. Um, I wasn't into spiritualism at all. Um, and for the only reason is I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about spiritualism at all. Um, then I suppose it was back in 2004. Um, I was currently living in London. Um, I had enough of the London lifestyle, the city, you know, everything's dirty and but you know what city life's like. Um, it got too much. So I thought, do you know, I need to make moves to get away from London. Um, so first I started with my job. Um, and in company work for at the time, I applied for a job uh, down there, the South Coast. Um, so I went down to have a look at the store. I spoke to my area manager. Um, she gave me a list of stores to have a look at. Went down to have a look at a store, um, which funny enough happened to be in Burgess Hill. Um, and I walked into the store to have a look, meet the guys. And the first person I met when I walked in the door was Scott Milligan. Um, he was on the counter, so we got talking. Um, subsequently, a few weeks later, I ended up taking over as manager of the store. Um, got to know Scott pretty well. Um, at the time, I was still living in London and commuting down. Um, me and Scott become good friends over the years. Uh, I was there for two years in total at that store. Um, then at that point, um, I knew that Scott, as Scott's manager, he spoke to me and said that every Wednesday he needs to leave earlier because he's going to study. Um, unbeknown to me, his study was actually his home circle, um, which I was unaware of at that time. But I accommodated that. He was allowed to go early on a Wednesday. Um, then a couple of years after I've been at that store, I got moved back into London again against my will. Um, 
but me and Scott stayed in contact and good friends. Um, at that point, we then became partners. We got together in a relationship. Um, and Scott started to tell me a bit more about the Wednesday night, the, the Wednesday study groups. Um, and I've always been an open-minded person. Um, and when he was telling me about it, I was listening, but I wasn't really taking it on board, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so he used to kind of tell me what they were doing and all that kind of stuff. And again, it just kind of went over my head. It didn't really sort of sink in or I didn't form an opinion of it. It just kind of, it was what it was. Um, and a couple of times I picked him up outside from his home circle, um, which used to finish about 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Um, and I remember turning up a few times. Um, and when I turned up, obviously Scott said, to, you know, come and meet everybody. Um, and it sounds awful, but it was a, it was a load of old people. Um, <laughs> I think the youngest person was probably about 60. And at the time I thought, what? And, you know, Scott was only in his early 20s. I thought, why is Scott hanging around with all these old people? That, that's what that's hit funny. me as being strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the fact of what he was doing. It's the fact of who he was with that I found strange at first. Um, so a couple of times I met these group of people and that said it was all, there was lovely, lovely people. And I still talk to all of them now today, you know, several years down the line. Um, this is back in 2006. Um, but nope, lovely people. Um, eventually I managed to move out of London. So I moved down to the South coast. Um, however, still work, and I was still working in London. So I was doing the reverse and I was living down here in the South coast, but commuting into London. Um, and one day Scott said to me, oh, somebody's called in from Home Circle, uh, with calling Sickcraft from Home Circle. Would you like to come and join us? So I was like, yeah, okay. Again, I'm very open-minded. Um, I have to see something for myself before I make an opinion or judgment on it. Um, so I thought, yeah, I'll come along. Um, so I went along and again, you know, I walked into the house of John Austin. Um, he was sat in the kitchen in his chair um, and he'd had a stroke several years before that. So his mobility wasn't great. Um, loveliest guy you could ever meet. Um, was so welcoming. Um, you know, he treated me like he'd known me for years. Um, and I met the other group, you know, the rest of the group. And like I said, there was all 60 plus, I'd say. Um, so anyway, when it came to, so we was in there having a chat and what have you. And then it came for us to sit. and. I was quite naive back then in terms of spiritualism. Bear in mind, I knew nothing of spiritualism. Never been into a spiritualist church. Never mm-hmm. seen a mental mediumship demonstration. Never seen anything spiritualist whatsoever. Um, so we've gone into John's lounge, um, which I thought was quite strange the way it was set up at that for that evening. There was obviously a cabinet in the bay window, um, like a box with um, a, a black fabric around it, and there were several chairs dotted around the you know, in a in a circle sort of shape with a red light. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is a bit strange. Um, and being polite, I said, where would you like me to sit? So I was kind of sat in the back corner of the room in between two ladies in the circle. Um, so we've sat down and I'm sort of take, trying to take everything in thing, still not really understanding what I'm doing or what's going on, what's going to happen. Um, the next minute they, they close the front room door. Obviously, it's all blacked out. All the windows are blacked out. And they started to tape up the door. And I think, what's going on? And it straight away through my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm in some kind of cult. They're all going to kill themselves. And <laughs> um, you can imagine what's going through my head at this point. Right. Now, um, remember, Darren, 
many, many people listening right now haven't a clue what physical mediumship is. So when you describe it, you can talk about when the lights go out and <laughs> all of that. Just as <laughs> well, if we were there with you, because it's unique. Well, at this point, I didn't even have a clue what mediumship was, let alone physical mediumship. Okay. Um, so we're sat in this room. They've taped up the door. Um, and they said, we're now going to turn up. So they turned out the main lights. And we just had a little red light in the middle of the room. And I thought, oh, this is a bit a bit weird. And I genuinely thought, I thought, oh, my God, he's got me into a cult. And they're all going to kill themselves and what have you. And where's um, Scott so, at this point? At this point, Scott, Scott, I forgot to mention, yes, yeah, Scott was tied down into a chair. There was a chair in the cabinet, which Scott was cable tied down to. So his arms and his legs were strapped to a chair. And that's what kind of, because I had no understanding of mediumship whatsoever, you can imagine what's going through my head when I'm seeing this scenario. You know, I'm thinking we're in some kind of cult. Um, right. Maybe they're going to slaughter him because he's tied to the chair. That's um, awful. Yeah. yeah. You have all these thoughts going through your head. But then when I, when the, I looked at the people I was with, and I, I thought, no, th- th- these aren't that sort of people. Do you know, they're not the sort right. of people that would be in a cult. They, they seem normal and sane. So no, this can't be it. But I didn't feel brave enough to speak up and ask questions. I just kind mm-hmm. of went, naively went along with it. Um, so anyway, so Scott's tied down in a chair cabinet curtains are closed and the red light's taken out so by this point the room is absolutely pitch black and i'm thinking oh my god and i think by that point i was literally gripping people i the two ladies either side of me Mm -hmm. i I mean everyone else in the room's totally relaxed it's normal for them and still at this point i have no idea what i'm doing or what's going to happen or what's going on um they do an opening prayer um, and then we all start singing a little while after singing, um, John told us all to be quiet and a voice formed in the cabinet. Um, unbeknown to me back then, I know now know that was Eric. Um, and Eric formally came through to introduce himself to me and he started speaking with me. And obviously I knew it wasn't Scott because the voice didn't sound like Scott. Um, and I knew it was nobody in the room. So I knew it was a, a separate independent voice. Um, and he's talking to me and I knew he was talking to me, but because I didn't understand what was going on, I felt strange communicating back to this voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of didn't answer, which now I feel, I thought, God, if I knew I'd answer, I mean, I did in the end. Um, but I felt silly answering because I thought, I don't know where this voice is coming from, but I know it's talking to me and I'm going to look stupid if I start talking back. Um, cause I had absolutely no knowledge or understanding at this point. Um, and it wasn't until the lady next to me said, Darren, he's talking to you. And I thought, ah, oh, so she's acknowledged he's talking to me. So it, it, that's okay for me to apply. I'm not going to look like an insane person talking to this voice. So we communicated for a little while. He welcomed me to the circle. Um, and we kind of had a brief introduction and a chat. Um, and then this kind of the evening continued and it, there was some communication. Um, but at that point it was not, no, tell a lie, there was phenomena at that point. The phenomena was only just starting from what I now understand. And these have a big wooden, because it was a carpeted room, these have a big wooden board, probably about a metre by a metre squared in the middle of the room with objects on it. There was a trumpet on it, a drum on it, a bell, and a couple of bits and pieces. That started to lift. And I could see it was lifting because the trump had a luminosity around there. Um, it slightly lit the board up and you could you could see the board moving and it was coming over towards me and I was like if if the door was unlocked I would have been out of that room 
in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, what, you know, what on earth is going on? We've all joined hands, we're all singing, things are moving, there's voices talking. I thought, oh my God, I was absolutely petrified. Um, so when it came to an end, part of me was like, oh, thank God, it's finished. But then part of me was intrigued at the same time because I'm thinking, what have I just witnessed? What have I just seen? What's going on? So my mind was questioning it, but the other part of my mind wanted to get out of the room. Um, so anyway, we, the, the circle finished and Scott kind of looked at me kind of thinking, what does he think? Because it's the first time I'd ever seen anything like this. And obviously it was him. Um, so we came out into the kitchen. We had a cup, the usual cup of tea and a bit of cake and a chat. Um, and then when we finished, uh, John Austin said to me, did you want to come back next week? And out of politeness, I said, yes, okay, thank you. I'll be back next week. So went home, um, following week came, I never went. I never, Scott never mentioned it, I never went. I think several weeks passed and then Scott said to me, oh, someone's called in sick from Home Circle. Did you want to come and help with the power again? I said, yeah, okay. Again, part of me was scared, but part of me was questioning it. You know, oh, I, I need to know more about this. Went along, same scenario as the first time. I was still absolutely petrified. Um, but still questioning and intrigued. Um, so again, that evening come to a close and John said to me the same thing. Did you want to come back next week? I said, oh yes, please. That'd be fantastic. Um, I never did go back because nothing else was mentioned. Um, (laughs) It was one of those scenarios, you know, when someone says something at the moment in time Mm -hmm. and you don't hear any more, you you kind of, I don't push things like that. I thought, no, if if they have to get together sometime. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought if they really want me, they'll ask me again. Anyway, so several weeks passed again, and Scott said to me again, Someone's called in sick. Did you want to come along? I said, Yeah, okay. And he said to me, He said, Why? He said, John's invited you. Why are you not coming? And I said, you know, I said, Because, you know, me and you have got together, and you was doing this before we got together. I don't want to be one of those people that imposes on your life. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? If you, if you were doing this before we got together, I don't want to automatically assume that I should be doing it with you now because we're together. Right. Um, and he said, no, don't be stupid because I want you to come along. I said, as long, as long as you are happy for me to be part of it, I'm happy to be part of it. Um, so from that day onwards, I, I, well, I've been going for years now um, and I've learned so much more. Um, I've been educated by the spirit um through sitting in home circle and the people that i've been sitting in circle with um and within a few weeks of me being there i was moved from the back corner and i was almost second along from the cabinet um and like i said it was the early stages of phenomena back in those days um and what I'd, i know some of you may have seen if you've been to scott sounds he, he sometimes he brings in a metal trumpet that's completely battered it's got those little dents and knocks on it um, most of them are from me, not from me creating the dents. Um, but because the spirit world were just starting off with the, it was the early stages of phenomena, there was no control over it. It was quite aggressive. Um, so when, uh, in a physical circle, when they, the spirit world start off with phenomena, which is moving and lifting objects around the room, um, there's usually, they don't know, there's usually no control of it, if that makes sense. So they don't know how hard they're hitting or how soft they're hitting. Um, and it takes practice. Um, I suppose the same as, us, you know, if you play football, it's the same as a footballer. Um, it takes years to get the control of the ball right. 
the first time you kick a ball, you might blast it or you might tap it until you get used to working with the ball. Um, I suppose it's the best way I can describe it. So in the early days, the phenomenon was quite aggressive. Um, so when they first started doing the trumpet phenomenon, lifting the trumpet, trumpet and levitating it, moving it around the room, they used to always practice with the pressure on me. So they used to come up to me and they used to hit, start hitting me with it and whacking me with it. Um, and that's where most of those dents came from. Um, a few times they'd be like, ow. I mean, it wasn't done intentionally by the spirit world. It was just because they knew I didn't mind. I said I didn't mind if they did it. Um, and it wasn't, it didn't hurt. But every now and again, you know, I'd be like, oh, that was a bit, bit hard. But over several weeks, they got good control of it. Um, so by practicing the pressure on me, they knew how hard, how soft, et cetera, to go with it. Um, and I know those who have been to public circles now, if there's trumpet phenomena and the trumpet comes round, you, you, a lot of you bear witness to how gentle it is. And it's, it's through practicing back in the home circle, they've got it to that control. Um, and then the gentleman used to sit next to the cabinet for whatever reason, he became absent for a while. So I was kind of within such a short space of time, I was moved next to the cabinet. Um, which again, even at this point, even though I was starting to understand and learn more about physical mediumship, I was still petrified. You know, I could hear the voices in the cabinet and what have you. And all I can remember is sitting there thinking, please don't come and touch me. Please don't come near me. Um, Cause I was still petrified. I didn't know. And I wasn't asking enough questions back then to kind of satisfy my nervousness, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I remember going on to a workshop with Scott. He was in a workshop up in York and they offered to be his chauffeur. So I drove him up to the, up to York, which is six hours North of us in the UK. It's quite far up North. Um, and in this particular workshop, he was doing a trance workshop and I'd never seen him because in the physical circle, the lights are always off. I'd never seen Scott once the lights were off. Um, so I'll never forget when he started this workshop, he went off into trance and Eric came through and communicated. Um, and I, Scott said, do you want to join in in the workshop? I said, oh, no, no, it's, I feel st- I'm complete new to all this. All these people that's in this, because it was in the church, I thought that they're all mega experienced people. They know more than I do. I'll look silly. So I said, no, I'll, I'll just sit to the side and watch and observe. Um, so they were sitting in the power. And when I, Eric came through and spoke, I looked at Scott. And I almost fell off my chair. His face was completely different. All his features had changed. Um, his demeanour had changed. He was kind of stooped over, like he was taking on the personality of this person. And I'd never seen that before. Um, and that wasn't, that wasn't physical medium as such. Um, that was the overshadowing of the communicator came, coming through. Um, but the way his facial expressions changed and everything, I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I get he's it. being possessed. Yeah, yeah, I remember being at Banyan Retreat with our friends Nick and Stephen. And when I started exploring, because physical mediumship, Darren, sounded as weird and out there as you can possibly get. But on my exploration yeah. of is there proof of the afterlife, I had to go explore. Even if I was scared to death to sit in a dark room and experience this. But when the trance demonstration had happened, I had seen Scott speak a number of times. I'm like, oh, he's a nice young man, funny, you know, good yeah. teacher, da-da-da-da-da. And then he closed his eyes and listened to a few pieces of music to put him in that zone. 
and a whole different person started speaking through him with such yeah. wisdom and intelligence. I mean, I remember exactly where I was because it was, <laughs> I, I don't swear on this show, but we'll say, holy cow is how I felt. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. But Darren, if you don't mind, could we just go back a little bit to talk about some of the me- mechanics of physical mediumship, why you're sitting in the dark. You talked about being there for the power. Um, what is it that makes the trumpet lift? Can we talk a little bit about that <coughs> side of things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, physical mediumship, I mean, it took me years to get a full understanding of it. Um, I mean, looking back now, if I'd asked a lot of questions at the beginning, I would have gotten there a lot sooner. But I'm a firm believer in things are meant to be what they're meant to be. Things will happen as they happen. Right. Um, and I believe even to this day where I am in terms of the circle, and it, it, it is what it's meant to be, and I am where I'm meant to be. Um, and you may not realize at the time why you were put in that situation or this situation or why this has happened, but it's usually down the line when you look back, if you think, oh, now I can see it. Um, but yeah, with physical mediumship, the reason it's done in the dark, um, with physical mediums, um, we've all got a substance in us known as ectoplasm. Um, and I'm not the most scientific person, but I'll try and explain it the best way I can. Um, We've all got a substance in us known as ectoplasm, but with physical mediums, they're able to produce far more in quantity than we can. And um, ectoplasm stems from the pancreas, and it's a mixture of bodily fluids, white blood cells, red blood cells, um, and other fluids in the body. And what happens as with the spirit world, they can extract the ectoplasm from the medium. So it can come from any orifice. It can come from the nose, the mouth, the ears. Um, it can even come through the pores of the skin, belly button. Um, and without being too rude, it can come from your toilet areas. Um, but from what I've seen and witnessed with Scott over the years, it generally comes nose, ears and mouth. And what happens, it comes out in vapor form, but the minute it hits the atmosphere, it solidifies, it becomes solid. Um, and that not with Scott, but with another physical mediumship, scientists have, have managed to get a sample of ectoplasm and test it. Um, and there's one component not of this world. They cannot find, trace, or source this component. So obviously the other world, they're putting, interjecting something in there as well. Um, but with the ectoplasm, when it comes out in the medium, it can come, come out in copious amounts. You, you can have loads of it just kind of oozing out of the medium. Um, and it's quite, when I've seen it, um, it looks quite soft. It looks like a cloth. Um, yeah, I suppose a white cloth is the best way of describing it. And it's, it's always attached to the medium. It's part of the medium's life force. Um, whenever the ectoplasm's out within the room, it will never, ever be detached from the medium. If it ever becomes attached from the medium, the medium would be dead because it's part, it's part of them. Um, so when I've seen it in light, it looks like white cloth. Um, and what happens, the spirit world can um, form hands in the ectoplasm. They can form rods in the ectoplasm, which they can, they have like pinches on the end of it. Um, and I know in the early days, they used to form rods with pinches on the end. And they can uh, lift up objects like the trumpet. Um, and for those that don't know, a trumpet looks like a cone. Um, but it's got a luminous band around the bottom so everyone can see it. Um, so if the trumpet is lifted and moved around the room, it's done ever so gently. Um, it can be done fast, it can be done slow, um, but if it comes near people, it's, it's, it comes near you so gently and it just taps you um, so that they can do all kinds of phenomena like that. 
um they can also the spirit people can also it sounds re- and this is the probably the most hard bit hardest bit to, to get to grips with with physical mediumship um i've been in demonstrations where the the spirit person can actually cloak themselves in the ectoplasm and become as solid as as i am they can walk around the room they can shake hands they can talk to you um you can physically hear them i've been in a seance room where it's been done on a wooden floor and you can hear the floor dip it you know you know people walk across the floor you can feel the boards dipping and creaking. You can hear all that. Um, I've been, I was in a demonstration. What? Because even though I do what I do, I still challenge and question a lot. I'm always questioning. Um, and I remember sitting in a demonstration, not with Scott, with another physical medium. Um, for this demonstration, I was sat as helping with a circle leader. I was sat one side of the cabinet. Um, and I had total belief in this medium, but I still question, um, mm-hmm. am I genuinely um, experiencing what I'm experiencing? Um, and it was almost like in that sense, I was really questioning it because I was near to the cabinet. Um, and one of the main controls came out. I heard him walking around and he came and spoke to the lady next to me. And we was in the height of summer in the UK. And when it gets hot in the UK, it gets really hot. So we're all sat in the, in the south room in um, shorts and T-shirts because um, it was so hot. And I'll never forget this spirit person coming over towards me, speaking to the lady next to me. But as he was talking to her, he was leant against me because it was quite a small room. I could feel his leather boots. Nobody in that room had leather boots on. Um, I could feel his coat. And the way he kind of leant against me, because I had no sleeves on my arms or legs and that, I could feel a lot more. Um, I could feel he had a tweed um, material jacket on that was like a three-quarter length jacket, uh, you know, a proper, dressed like a proper gentleman. And I I could feel, and it sounds weird, but just feeling a tweed jacket, it it sounds the most bizarre thing. But when you think think of someone materialising, you think you'd feel the body, and I mean, you do, but the fact I got to feel this tweed jacket and these tall leather boots... I thought nobody in that room had that. They weren't even in the room. So that in itself for me was like, wow. And I, I got to feel a lot more, um, you know, because he rested his, arm, his forearm on my head as he went across. Um, so I got to experience and feel a lot more. Um, so they can walk around the room as solid as I can. Um, and they can also form the voice box in the ectoplasm as well. Um, and the voice box, it's, it's independent from the medium. Um, and the closest I can describe it, it's almost like a mouth, if you like, forming in the ectoplasm. And it's the closest a spirit world can get to sound and how they actually sound. It will never be 100% um, because it's still got, to, whatever comes through, whether it's in materialized form, phenomena, communication, it's still got to pass through the mind of the medium. So it will never be 100%. Um, and the way I, I always describe it when I'm doing a, a pre-sounds talk, I say with the, the, the voice box, it will never be 100% because you've got the mind of the medium there. But also that spirit person has got to put a lot of thought into how they use the sound. And I don't know about you, but I'll probably do the same now. I sound normal when I'm talking now, but I guarantee when I listen back to the recording, I'm like, oh my God, is that how I really sound? Um, 
So you've got to remember all those kinds of factors. And that's why I say it's the closest you'll ever get to hearing your loved one um, once they've passed. Because with a mental mediumship, you're getting it from the medium. Um, other forms of medium uh, mediumship, you're getting it from the medium. But with physical mediumship, it's the closest. And that's why it's so rare and so, oh my God, because it's the closest you can ever get to hearing, feeling, or being with your loved one. Because you can hear them through the voice box. You can maybe, if you're lucky, they may materialise or partially materialise. Um, and, you know, you may get to feel, you may come and hold your hand and talk to you. I mean, I've witnessed all kinds of different scenarios. Um, but with physical mediumship, um, I lost my train of thought then what I was going to say. Oh, it's oh, done in the, okay. <laughs> yeah, the reason it's done in the dark with the ectoplasm is if you think it's deep within inside the body, it's never been exposed to any degree of light. So it's extremely, extremely light sensitive. Um, if you can imagine, you, we probably all had it happen to us before. When you're in a deep sleep in the dark and somebody walks in and turns a bright light on you, like, ah, mm -hmm. um, with ectoplasm, it's been in the body for years since birth. It's, it's never been exposed to any degree of light. So we're told by the other world, we have to tread very carefully with it. And if you, if you read and look at medium, physical mediums of the past, Helen Duncan um, and all those, you know, if you look at Helen Duncan, for example, look what happened to her when, you know, one of her sciences was raided and they turned the lights on. I mean, bless her, what she had to go through in life anyway to prove her mediumship. And in the end, she was pretty much killed because people came in and turned the light on. Um, without going into too much detail, I mean, it's, Helen Duncan's worth looking at. There's other, you know, Alec Harris. Alec um, Harris, yes. I've got his book right. I'm looking at it yeah. right now. Amazing, amazing story. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And if you hear the stories of what happened in his sounds when people turn the lights on, um, it can be really damaging to the medium. Um, so that's why all sciences are done in the dark at present. Um, and I know with, with Scott's circle, the spirit world are looking to, they're trying to work in some degree of light. I mean, I've been lucky enough to see the ectoplasm a number of times in, in red light, controlled red light. Um, but it's literally the spirit world will say, Darren, listen to our instructions very carefully. You know, when we say turn the red light on for 10 seconds, it may be turn it off. And, you know, you have to follow the instructions so mm -hmm. carefully. And what kind of annoys me a little bit, you do get other people saying, you know, they've never sat in a physical mediumship demonstration, never been involved in physical mediumship but they feel they can tell you how to do it. Um, and I say, no, the only people I will ever listen to is the spirit world. They're the ones in control. They're the ones that understand and they're the ones that know. Um, but again, with physical mediumship, when you, it's, obviously it's done in the dark um, because of the light sensitivity issue. But also when, when people materialise, and it happens quite frequently, and in, some of you have been in public demonstrations, and when there is somebody materialised, I may ask a question, what part of you is materialized and it sounds awful but sometimes you know if there's a little child materialized it might just be a hand one leg and half a face um to us that's fine because we can't see it but if you can imagine if your little if you've lost a child and your child's materialized in that way you know you'd have got one arm one leg and half a face that would be horrific to see um Definitely. so that's that's another reason it's done in the dark um but in, in terms of the, you know, the home circle, um, I was brought in to give extra power. 
with physical mediumship circles, um, you need people to provide power for the medium. Because um, in order for the spirit world to do what they need to do with physical mediumship, um, i.e. phenomena, um, production of ectoplasm, etc., you, you do need a lot of power in the room. Um, and, you know, now I've been involved in it a number of years. I can general, there's certain people that have certain characteristics. I suppose the best way to describe it, in life, if you look at people in life, if you look at your group of friends, everyone's got different personality, different attributes. So if you wanted a particular thing done, you'd go to that friend. Um, if you wanted a shoulder to cry on, you'd go to that friend. Um, if you wanted someone to give you advice, you'd go to a different friend, etc. Um, that's kind of how a home, without us knowing or realising it, I think that's how our home circle's um, set up as well. I know with Scott's home circle, people naturally, nobody was, they didn't put an advert in the paper to go and get people or anything like that. People seem to just kind of appear in the most obscure ways. Um, one of the ladies that sits in home circle, she still sits today, was John Austin's carer. You know, she, again, she knew nothing about it. John got talking to her and then she come. You know, I got together with Scott, never knew anything about mediumship. And here I am. Um, and we, we all offer different attributes. Um, I offer power. Um, we have another lady, Jen, who's sadly in the other world now. Um, she was a strong clairvoyant medium. So she was. She used to provide, um, I suppose, a lot of the traits um, for the information, for the communication side of it. Um, but you'll find everyone in the circles there to offer a different thing. But the key ingredient everyone has to provide is power. Um, and I know in the past sort of few years, in a home circle, I sit next to the cabinet circle leader. Um, and Jan, who sadly passed a few years back, she used to sit the other side. Um, and during the course of the, the circle, they can take different members of the circle out. And when I say take you out, um, you may be sitting there singing, you start to feel drowsy and you drift off and you have no control over it. It's almost like you become paralysed. Um, and you just kind of go with it. And what the spirit world's doing, they're taking an element of your power or your energy to help with some kind of development. You're, you know, they'll never explain what it is because uh, it, it takes a lot of time. Um, but you just have to have to trust you're being used in the right way, which you are. Um, you know, and in home circle, I may, I, there's several times in the early days, I've been taken out a number of times. Um, Jan used to be taken out a number of times because we both sat next to the cabinet. Um, and you'll generally find when I first started sitting in a home circle, we all had our des designated seats. And you generally find in a lot of circles, the most experienced seem to sit near the cabinet. <clears throat> and I found it was strange that within a short space of time, for whatever reason, I automatically ended up next to the cabinet. Um, but now I look back, it's because I was open for them experimenting with me. They used to um, practice phenomena on me. And being near the cabinet, it was easier to do because um, they didn't have as far to go, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously, unbeknown to me, years later, I would become circle leader. Um, but in order to be, you have to provide the power in a, home, in a physical home circle. Um, and the best way of doing that is singing. Um, and those of you that have been to our public demonstrations, um, I always stress to you all about singing and we sing our hearts out and we, yes, we, we do, do sing. Um, but we have a good time while we're doing it. You have to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, you, you'll find, 
yeah, oh, laughter is the, the, the best key. Um, laughter is number one for providing power, but obviously, you know, it's hard to sit there and laugh for two, two and a half hours, however long the circle runs for. Um, so singing's the next, it, it just, ra- you, you've, and you have to sing the right songs. You know, if you sing um, love songs and all that, you don't necessarily, you need to sing kind of upbeat, fast-paced sort of songs to really create that vibration, the energy. Um, mm-hmm. If you think when you go out shopping, you know, if you go into a shop where it's kind of got upbeat, lively music, you, you, you do it without realising. You end up kind of bopping along to it, swaying along to it, even singing along to it. I've done that many a time. And it kind of puts you in that mood, uplifts you. But if you go into a shop that's got classical music, you know, with no voice, you generally find you go into that frame of mind. Um, you, you get relaxed. You know, if you go for a massage, for example, they've got classical music playing because they want you to relax, be calm. Um, but if you go in somewhere, they want you to be fast and upbeat. You know, it's lively, it's energetic. And that's the environment we have to create in a home circle for physical, for physical mediumship. Um, and it just allows the spirit world to do what they want to do. Um, but if we don't create the right conditions, um, i.e. the right power, they can't do what they need to do to develop. Um, yeah, because they develop as well as the medium developing. Um, but many times they've told us all that within the home circle, we're all there to contribute to the development of the medium. But at the end of the day, without us realising that we're developing ourselves, because um, to some degree you're sitting in, in the power, um, you're taking in the atmosphere, you, you're taking an element of the atmosphere and that power with you all the time. Um, and like I said, I, when I started, I knew nothing about mediumship whatsoever. Um, but now with physical mediumship, I can kind of pick up more. Um, the more you do it, the more you learn. Um, so you can generally feel who, what, what sort of people, because you have certain people that get placed in circles and we call them power batteries. Um, for whatever reason, they seem to emanate and ooze this, this power from them. Um, so they're they're the good they're good sort of people you want in a in a physical mediumship circle because they're going to provide a lot of power, um, but you also think, want people. I think I'm one of them. I think you are. <laughs> well, I say that because I'm glad you it didn't mean to interrupt you. Glad no, you absolutely. talked about being taken out because I, first of all, ladies and gentlemen who have never heard anything about physical mediumship, you're jaw might be on the floor thinking, am I really hearing what I'm hearing? And the answer is yes. Physical mediumship's been around a long time. Very, very, very rare. Very few people practicing it openly in public. Lots of con artists have been around in the world and I believe still are. Um, Yeah, many of them. Yes, but it is real. It is very, very rare. And I'm super passionate about it because of what I have myself have witnessed, but I've gone into these seances with Scott and yourself just saying to the spirit world, just use me because yeah. the, the goal is for communication of people's loved ones to come through and be able to speak and reunite with their loved ones. And so I envisioned myself just a battery and just said, take me however you need to use me. So <laughs> I sing my heart out. You always tell me that I, yep. you, yeah, don't I'm have the greatest <laughs> voice, but I do it. But the thing is, Darren, the last several that I've been in with you and Scott, I yawn constantly. It is yeah. one after another. And that never happens in reality. And then twice I've actually felt like I've 
either fallen asleep or zoned out. And then, but yeah. just, just at the right time, all of a sudden I'm back. And I'm that, like, what the heck is that? That's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens more so in the home circle. I mean, with our home circle, it can, I mean, at one stage I was going out all the time, not so often now, but then you'll go for a phase where somebody else might be going out quite a lot. Wow. I know in our home circle currently, the person that sits on the side of the cabinet now, they go out quite a lot. Um, but the one thing they've always said to me, they would never, ever do that to me in, in the public circle. Um, because I'm there kind of running it and orchestrating it and helping it and supervising it and looking after Scott and everyone else. Um, You're there for they, the safety of everyone. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they, mm-hmm. they promised me they would never, ever do that to me in a public demonstration. Um, and I was doing a public demonstration as a circle leader um, before I became home circle circle leader, if that makes sense. Um, John Austin was our circle leader, but because of his, the big stroke he had, he was quite immobile. So wasn't, he wasn't able to go around to different venues and places with Scott um, as circle leader. So that's where I kind of took up that role then. Um, so for oh, probably 10 years plus, I've been going, helping with, with run the circle in the public arena. Um, so and they've never, ever in all the years taken me out in a public circle. And they never would. Because um, like I said, I'm there for everyone's safety. It, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. Um, mm. But I mean, over the years, it's just, I, I've had my proof 10 times. Um, not just with Scott, you know, I've sat with David Thompson, another physical medium. I sat with Stuart Alexander, another physical medium. Um, and bizarrely, I've had um, a bit of evidence with Stuart. Um, with David, because we're, we've got quite a close friendship um, as a circle with him, um, I've been, again, I go there more to help out rather than for, you know, I'm not there for my own benefit whatsoever. I'm right. there to help the other world. Um, and bizarrely, people say to me, oh, you must get messages all the time. You must get this, you must get that. Do you know what? I've been sitting with Scott since 2006. I've never, ever had a message. I've never had any form of communication. And do you know what? I'm happy with that because mm-hmm. I'm not there for that. I'm there to do the job that I'm there to do. I'm there to run the circle, support in the best way I can. Um, and the spirit was said to me, we'll probably, with through Scott, we'll probably never give you communication. You know, one, because I'm circle leader, and two, because we're in a relationship. It, we know a lot about each other. Um, and we're too close, we're, you know, we're too close to each other to kind of do that, sort of, you know, to give information out and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I so said, at the end of the day, I'm not there for that. I'm there for the other world and for the circle. That's all I'm there for. Um, but I mean, over, you know, taking that to one side with Scott, over the years, I've seen so much proof without having any of my loved ones come through. I've seen so much. Um, you know, Can with you talk about people. some of that? Because I know Scott has said openly that the other world have said, if you want phenomena and you want things happening in life, light, you know, red light yeah. and seeing the ectoplasm, that's one route to go. But then they couldn't bring through the loved ones. And I know we've all experienced grief and yeah. Scott is part of this so that moms and dads who've lost children and Absolutely. other ones can get up in the morning. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing some of those stories. So um, is it ever scary? Cause I, th- I don't know why I want to ask this because I, I personally don't believe in evil spirits and that world and in the 53 no. years and 25 years that I've been investigating this. I, I've never come across any of that. Does it exist? Maybe. 
do aliens I, exist? Probably, but <laughs> I pay no attention, no attention no. to me. So I don't believe in it. You know, all no. the years I've been sitting, I have never experienced anything like that. And I don't believe in evil spirits. Evil spirits, you know, we, I, I spoke briefly earlier about the power and how we all build mm-hmm. the power uh, in a seance uh, or in a home circle. Um, our minds are very influential um, in any form of mediumships. Our minds play a big part in that. So if, if, if you look at Ouija boards as a quick example, you know, there's a, there's a whole fear thing around the Ouija boards. Right. Why? What, what, what have you got to fear? It's a, it's a bit of wood with a glass or something on top to me. What, why do we fear it? We fear it because somewhere in history, fear has been placed. Um, so people are going into a room with a Ouija board with that fear in their mind. Um, and I'm a strong believer in action. Posi- uh, oh, I can't get the words right now. Thought perceives action, is it? Yes. Yes. So whatever you're thinking, that could happen, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you're going in, to do Ouija board, for example, and there's a group of you and you're all fearing it, you're breathing that kind of atmosphere. Um, and it may not be um, a spirit person coming through. It may be the minds of the people in that room. They're creating such a, a hyped fear in there that without knowing it, that they're, they're probably the ones moving it and, you know, creating, you know, spreading these bad words and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've never, ever, in all the years I've sat, ever experienced anything negative, anything bad. Um, and the spirit world say, you know, in communications, whether it be with Scott or other mediums, they've always said they will never allow anything like that to happen. What, what, what's the purpose? You know, they have, they have what they call gatekeepers over the other side. Um, and one of Scott's gatekeepers is Morningstar. So he, he's almost, if you can imagine him stood at a set of gates, he controls who comes through and speaks, um, does phenomena, does whatever. He controls that. Why would he allow someone to come through and cause, you know, people to be upset, scared? It serves no purpose. Um, when they're trying to spread the word, you know, of spiritualism and how it can help people with suffering from grief, it serves no purpose. Um, so from my point of view, the only place bad, bad spirits come from is from this world. Um, it's the fear we're injecting into that environment that creates that. And um, we can't forget, we are souls having a human experience. Absolutely. So this part of us, the soul part of us continues on even when our body goes. So we're so much more powerful. And to you listening right now, if you are somebody who believes in negative spirits and things like that, I'm not here. Darren's not here to change your mind. I I have a lot of beliefs you probably don't believe in and vice versa. I believe you live your life, take what works for you, throw away the rest. Um, But in the world of physical mediumship, I mean, this is rare, wonderful. I pinch myself very often to say (laughs) that I just experienced that. But I do know in the home home circles and in the public demonstrations, because I've been out in public with you guys and we've, had some we don't die events and you and scott travel to other events around the world and you'll actually bring in the public to to be part of a seance and what's wonderful is that it's just love and even we were just together not too long ago in new orleans and there was a fella sitting next to me darren that honestly he's just like he just thought it was a little bit weird and he was 
a little bit uncomfortable. And then after not too long, he was just singing along loudly. And he said, it's one of the best things that's ever happened in his life. He, you know, so our skeptical mind is right there trying to figure out something that can't be figured out, you know? So anyways, if we could talk a little bit about the reconnections with loved ones, because yeah, um, yeah, the name of the show is we don't die. And we'd love to hear reasons to believe our loved ones are still with us. I was going to say skepticism is never a bad thing. Um, I mean, I'm one of the biggest skeptics ever. Even today, Mm -hmm. I still question and challenge stuff. Uh, But anything needs challenging. I always challenge it in the home circle with the communicators. um, And we get sort of things ironed out there. But in the public, so when you see me in the public, you don't see me in that kind of persona. So, Um, But trust me, I'm one of the biggest skeptics out there. And I will always challenge, no matter who, no matter what, I'll always challenge. Um, but yeah, coming back to Sandra's um, question, um, in the early days um, with physical mediumship, when I started sitting with Scott, it was very phenomena based. Um, we had communication through the trance state, um, but a lot of it was, you know, there's practice and phenomena. There was a lot of things moving around, being lifted, levitated. Um, and I remember a couple of instances, actually. Unfortunately, when John Austin did pass, we lost our home circle room that we sat in in Brighton. Um, so Nick and Steve at Bangham very kindly offered because they're part of our home circle they very kindly offered us a demonstration room to carry on sitting in home circle which we did um, so we moved it to Ashford in Kemp for a number of years um, which is a big for those that have been to Bangham it's a big demonstration room and there's only a small group of us sat in the one sort of corner of this room for home circle mm-hmm. um, but so, because it was a bigger room they experimented even further with phenomena um, and one of the, well, a couple of things I saw in that room, um, one of them, they actually brought Scott out of the cabinet, still in his chair, and they had the chair tipped completely upside down, and it was balancing on one corner. Um, and they got me to stand up, and I had to go and feel every, what I could feel, and that's exactly what I could feel, that the chair was upside down, balanced on one corner. It was as still as anything. I could feel Scott. He was still tied in the chair. So you can imagine at this point, his head's now on the floor um, and his feet are up in the air, still all com- completely seated in the chair. Um, he, was in, you know, he was tied by his arms and legs. And you're thinking at least slide, nope, he was still perfectly in the chair, but upside down. Wow. Um, and then another one we had, there was a big circular table. I suppose it's hard to describe, but it was a massive circular table, probably seated 20 people, and it was pushed to the corner of, of the room. Um, so if you can imagine, the table was touching the two corner walls. Um, so if you wanted to get into the corner of that room, the only way you could do it was by physically pulling the table away from the wall. Um, and at the end of the home circle, they said, turn the light on. And when we looked, Scott was seated in the corner behind the table. Um, and there's no way that could physically, you would have heard the table. It's a big, heavy table. Um, I'm probably not describing it in the best way. Uh, but if you can imagine a circular table just pushed into the corner of a mm-hmm. room, so the table's touching two the two walls of it. So you've just got a gap. You've just got a gap in the corner where the, obviously the circle can't get into that corner, and that's where he was seated. Um, but as the year as we progressed through the years, phenomena came really good. We saw ectoplasmic red light, trumpet phenomena. Um, we saw the hand formed on the plaque. Uh, we saw num- I saw a number of different things. I can go on forever for what I've witnessed. Um, but ultimately, the, the reason behind all the phenomena um, was to try and create, to, to create the voice, because the voice box takes a lot more power 
um, and practice than the phenomena does. So they 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 move forward with developing the voice box in the ectoplasm, where I explained earlier, your loved one or the control can come and speak through the ectoplasmic voice box, and that is independent from the medium. Um, and you can hear it up in the air, you can hear it down on the floor, you can hear it the other side of the room. Um, and what the, the kind of idea behind it was, they was trying to move forward stronger with the phenomena, with the idea being, you know, you've got the phenomena going on, you've got the voice box that can form. So the, the, the idea would be um, the communicators, the loved ones can be thought, they can form themselves in the ectoplasm and they can come around the room and speak to you directly, give you communication. That's happened on a few occasions. Um, I know in New Orleans last year, um, I was really surprised in one of the seances. I think it was the last one we done last year in New Orleans. Um, one of our little friends, regular friends, Norman, um, he used to suffer from Down syndrome when he lived. He comes through every now and again and he likes to win your hearts. Um, because he, when they part, when people have an ailment in this world, like for example, if Norman had Down syndrome, when he passes to the other world, he loses that ailment. Um, so they don't carry them, those ailments with them. But when they come close to the earth, they can feel that ailment again. But with Norman, bless him, he plays on it um, because he likes to, he likes to be he likes he likes the attention, I suppose, um, and he wants everyone to fall in love with him. So he still comes back with that ailment. Um, and like the second sentence we did in New Orleans, he he actually materialised, was walking around the room, was talking to people. He could hear him. He was placing his hands on people and then he'd done something he's never done before he started giving out communication so he said i have a little girl here i believe her name was whatever it was i can't remember now and he gave out so much information about this girl and i thought he's never done that before um and he goes i'm going to do something and obviously the information was understood the lady in the room could understand who it was it was her daughter um and he said i'm going to do something for you now and he materialized her daughter from him. So if you can visualize little Norman's materialized from Scott in the, in the middle of the room, we've now got another materialized form forming from Norman. So Norman's over the left-hand side of the room talking with people while this little girl, uh, bless her, has gone walking over to the right-hand side of the room and talking to her mum. And a few of the ladies in the room knew her as well. So she was talking to all of them. And I was, I was, I was gobsmacked. Even after all the years I've been sitting, I've never seen that before. Um, two people materialised, um, but one of them solely for the mother and talking to the mother, touching the mother. Um, and it, it, it's just be- it's such a beautiful thing to experience and be part of. Um, and I always say in the talks and demonstrations, you know, I, I could go on forever with all the experiences I've had and seen. Um, but in the t- we, you know, we, we go to quite a few venues to do different demos- you know, to do these demonstrations, um, and the thing is, because it's a physical mediumship demonstration, people automatically associate it with trumpet phenomena, want to see lights, want to see this, want to see that. But a lot of people forget about the communication element of it. Um, you know, I've been in so many hundreds of seances now. And when you hear a loved one communicating through the voice box, it's it's so special and so rare. Um, I can't you know I can't even begin to explain it. Um, and I do, when we do go to demonstrations, I say to people, you know, 
this could ha- I always kind of talk about what could happen because you never know. Every sounds is different. Um, and I always say to people, please go in there with an open mind and an open heart and please just be open to anything. Um, don't go in with preconceived ideas or don't go in with wants and desires. Um, and again, because I'm so used to sitting in circle, like I can pick up different things when I'm sitting. So again, it, it kind of doesn't really matter how many times I'm really explaining it when we do a talk, a pre-sounds talk. You always pick up on people wanting to see trumpet phenomena, um, wanting to see, and, and I totally get it. I totally understand it. If you've never seen it before, you want to experience, I, I totally get that. Um, but it's really hard to convey to people. If you go in there, not what having these wants or desires, so much more is possible. Um, because usually what happens in the public demonstration, um, and I know it happened with, in New Orleans with Sandra, um, there was a lot, a lot of phenomena and people were getting really excited and wowed by it, which, which is fantastic. Um, but because the energy is being created and everyone's getting excited with phenomena, they've done a lot more phenomena. They did do some communication, um, but in ratio phenomena to communication, there was a lot more phenomena because that was people's wants and people's desires. Um, and the spirit world will always do their best to accommodate us. Um, and we sometimes forget we need to be there for them as well. Um, but I know it's easily done. It, you, you get carried away, especially if it's your first seance. Um, but for me personally, I've sat in so many seances now. For me, phenomena, I'd be quite happy for no phenomena and just pure communication. Um, that's what gives me the joy and the satisfaction in a seance. Um, and if I give you an example, we'd done a seance a couple of years ago up in the north of the UK, um, in Wiltshire. Um, we forgot it was a bank holiday. We was driving up there. It should have taken four and a half hours, but because it was bank holiday, it took about 10 and a half hours for us to get there. Oh, wow. um, so as a consequence, we was an hour and a half late to the seance. Um, and I kept finding a host all the way up, you know, so we're stuck on the motorway. There's an accident, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we, we was getting really agitated because we was running late for the seance. Um, so I said to, I phoned the host and I just said, to, I said, right, get me a cup of coffee ready. I said, as we turn up, Scott, we're going to get the seance room prepped with somebody. I'll do the pre-seance talk as long as I've got a cup of coffee. I've been in the car for hours. I just need a coffee. Um, mm-hmm. And normally with a seance, again, Sandra can bear witness this. You've sat in many. How we normally start. Uh, we do an opening prayer. This is in public. Uh, we play three tracks of music just to allow Scott's mind to settle. And then we'll start singing. We might sing for a bit. There may be some phenomena start. And so the sounds progresses. Um, what was bizarre with this one, I got in, I've done the pre-sounds talk. So by the time I finished, everyone was searched and got into the sounds room. We was probably about two and a half hours late, later than we should have been starting the sounds. We'd, uh, so we've done the usual opening prayer. I'll place the music on. And again, this has never happened before. I'll place the music on. Within 10 seconds, the voice box had formed. There was a girl sat two down from me. Um, as loud and as clear as any of it, a voice formed. It, it was her dad, came through, spoke with her for a period of time. Um, unbeknown to us uh, at the time, I mean, we didn't know anyone in this place because we'd never been there before. Her father passed three days before and they hadn't even buried him. Um, And he he came and he spoke to her, gave her evidence, communicated. And what was fantastic for me 
there was no because normally one of the communicators would come through like a platform medium would i have a father here i believe the pastor cancer etc etc um and it, it would start off like that to begin with before it gets passed on to the loved one but what was magical about this one the father was there i mean he, he was a spiritualist anyway he ran a spiritualist church um but literally within 10 seconds starting, he was there, he was talking, there was no need for introduction, she knew who he was, they had a conversation, um, that communication finished, bang, another one came straight after. Um, and it was so magical because the communicator just came, they knew who they were going to, they went and spoke to them, and I think we had three, three in a row, three separate communicators all in a row. There was no introduction, they just came out, you know, the communicator knew who it, who they wanted to talk to. The recipient knew who it was, and they engaged in conversation. And for me, that that was the, that was the magical bit. That's the bit that I I really enjoy. Um, and I secretly say, do you know what? I wish that in our public seances we could get rid of all the phenomena and just did a communication. Because it's you know we, we've all gone through grief. We know how devastating it is. Um, and yeah, even in the early days of getting communication for someone you've just lost, it can still be hard. Um, but hearing, you know, whatever circumstances, it may be suddenly you lost someone suddenly, but to have that few minutes just to communicate with them and know they're okay and know they're still with you and they're still living and it just, you can hear and feel it in people. Um, and that, that's what bring. That's why I carry. I choose to do. You know, we've gone through a lot. You know, in our personal lives, with what's happened with Scott's dad. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people attack. You know, saying you should do sentences like this, should do sentences like that. We've had other centres across the other side of the world. You know, criticising how this should be done, how that should be done. You know, you get individuals doing it. But you know what? I couldn't give a monkey's about all of that. You know, I, I don't follow their guidance. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, these people that, that try and force opinions on you, um, you know, they haven't got the knowledge and the understanding that I've experienced. And I'm not saying that m what I've got is the be all and end all, because it's not. There's, there's so much more to learn. But for the circle that I work with, I get the instructions from the people that work with the circle. You know, Morningstar, Eric, Daniel, they give me the guidance. They give me the information. That's who I listen to. Um, I don't listen to people outside. You know, at the end of the day, the spirit people know what they're doing. So I listen to the the guys that, that run our circle for our circle. And that's who I listen to. Um, but, I mean, it, there's many more examples. Um, the same place up north, I believe, the following sounds. We had a, a gentleman, the same scenario as you, Sanj, with a guy. Um, that I've never sat in a seance before and found it the best thing. Um, this guy, um, he was sat next to... Christine Morgan was the other side of the cabinet. He was sat next to her holding her hand. Um, and if he looked at this guy, he, you know, he was muscular, covered in tattoos. He's not the sort of people you would have down as being in, in, you know, in a seance. And I looked, I thought, why on earth are you here? And I was a bit concerned. I thought, you know, this big muscular guy full of tattoos, only young, uh, probably 28. I thought, oh, God, what? You know, this isn't your kind of place. And it yeah. is bad because you do have those, you have those preconceived ideas. And it's Correct. true, you should never judge a book by its cover. Um, 
we say it but we still do it and we learn We're human yes exactly um and again in that seance unbeknownst you know didn't know the gentleman um his wife came through um and obviously the gentleman was probably only about 28 um his wife's wife came through was talking with him the guy was sobbing um and it wasn't till afterwards we realized um his wife had only passed a few months six months before i believe it was um they had three children they had a six-month-old baby um and to see this man you know in that kind of state I, and you look and you think oh my god how can people i i, I can't i i know we live on and we believe in the afterlife but you look at people and you, i think how do you carry on you know you've lost your wife you've got three little kids um it, it must be so hard um but when they're given that chance for that loved one to come and communicate it's it must I, I can't even begin to comprehend or understand um the comfort it can bring to people um and a lot of, and we done arizona with sandra last september wasn't it mm-hmm. um and that was the i mean me and scott both we came home from arizona we'd done a big event in arizona um and again unbeknownst to us there was a big organization there helping um helping parents heal um which there was a lot of parents there that we didn't realize at the time who'd lost children. Um, and you know, me and Scott came away and we said, do you know what? Sometimes you go to places, you have a hard time, you get people criticizing you on social media, doing this, doing that. But you know what? When you see people like the people we've seen over the years, that's what, you know, no matter what goes on, it, it it kind of t- you kind of get to understand why you do what you do you know we're here to help people um you know we're not here to force our same as sandra we're not here to force our beliefs onto people right. um but we're here to help if we can help a mother that's grieving you know and don't get me wrong we we can't guarantee who comes through in the seances um but I know there's a number of seances we've done in America. It seems to be more so in America now. We do quite a few seances. Um, and there's a lot of children come through for parents, you know, that have passed in the most horrific circumstances. Um, but you know what? As, as emotional as that is at that moment in time when you're in that environment, in that room, um, and again, you can hear people sobbing in the room because they're, they're involved in that experience. They're getting involved in that emotion. Right. And you, you you can't do anything, but um, I mean, as many times I could have sobbed my heart out in some of these sounds, um, but as hard it is, it is I have to stay composed and controlled because um, if if I start to break down as much as I, I you know, when you hear some of these stories of what these people's gone through, I could quite you know, I, I am quite a sensitive person. Scott will tell you, you know, I'll cry a Disney film. That's how bad I am. <laughs> um, but well, in it's, a it's devastating. It can yeah, be. Absolutely. And, and Darren, I know from seances I've been in and people that I've met, there have been people that this was their last chance and they were yeah. going to end their own lives. And so while there might be one or two or three maybe people that may or may not come through during a seance, even witnessing someone else's loved one come through in such specifics yeah. can take somebody from that hoping to believing to really knowing and Absolutely. to hear these stories 
I'm going to continue to share you guys in the Austin Wish Circle. Every event that we have, share wherever you guys happen to be because it, it, it does seem far out. It seems like this says too good to be true. I know what a skeptical mind is. I had to travel 3,000 miles <laughs> to sit in a dark room to realize it's real by just having a conversation and listening on an episode of a show, you know, our skeptical brains can say, yeah, this seems a little far out. I get that. We get that. But once you actually have this experience, no one can take it away from you. And absolutely not. And yeah. And keep doing what you're doing, Darren, because yeah, there's always going to be skeptics. Yeah, absolutely. And be, the light should be on. There's always going to be that. Yeah. But we know in our hearts, we're on the right Absolutely. Doing the right thing. I wanted to just ask now because you do have a full time job, <laughs> as do, <laughs> I, do I. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Scott's um, business, he works with you and your family does, business yes. at Market 22, but he's also a practicing physical medium. He's a tutor of it. If you, the listener, have loved hearing some of Darren's stories, I've interviewed Scott about five times. And there's stories of even when he got started and some of the things he's witnessed and they're phenomenal. So if you go to wedontdieradio.com, all the past 300 and some episodes are there and just look in your search box for Scott Milligan, they'll pop up. I have got audios of him speaking in trance. I've also got a recording actually of one of the seances with Scott's permission. So you can actually be part of and listen to what's happened but darren what's what's up on the horizon for you guys we're recording this um in march to 2020 <laughs> and i just hear you guys are going to new zealand yes we're off to new zealand uh we will leave the uk on the 6th of april i believe we land in um new zealand on the 10th of april long story yeah it's going to take about four days to get there with time differences and changing oh, wow. flights etc um but we're there for just over two weeks um we're at the McKelvey West Spiritualist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, Scott's doing two one-week workshops. Um, one, I believe it's the 15th. It's a Monday. I think it's around the 15th of April, Monday to Friday. Um, and then the week after that, he's doing another five-day workshop, Monday to Friday. Um, he's doing three or four seances on various nights, a trance demonstration, Um and he's doing a week. He's been asked to do a Ouija board workshop on the Saturday, I believe, in between all that. Um, when we go to New Zealand, because it's you know it's it's a massive journey for us um, over here in the UK. It's, uh, yes, yeah. I think it's twenty six hours we've got going out. We've got thirty seven coming back. My goodness. Um, so we try to make the most of it. And when I say make the most of it, it's tr- we try to give as much. It's, you know, the, the gentleman that hosts us, Ross, who's president of the church, um, he wants to try and introduce physical media more into New Zealand. Um, so what, we try and give as much as we can. You know, we're, it's the other side of the world. Yeah, we're only there for a, sh- a limited time. So we try and give as much as we can. Um, I don't know, last we was there last year in June, I believe it was last year. Um, I don't know, both workshops were full. All the sounds were full. Um, and it's lovely because you, you're getting to meet people you've never met before. You're getting to give people the experience they've never had before. Um, and it, it's just lovely. And, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I mean, I get exhausted the same as Scott. You know, we both work full time. We do this on top. Um, and you, you are sometimes you're working, you know, 
people think that, oh, you're going away to all these lovely places. New Zealand is a beautiful place. Um, but when you're landing, you're getting up at seven in the morning, you're not finishing work till midnight. And, you know, that can go on for days and days and days. Yes, you're in a beautiful place with beautiful people, but you don't necessarily get to experience it all. Um, but you know what? We're there to give people that experience and help people. So that that's, you know, that's all that matters in my eyes. Um, so we return from there the end of April. Um, and I know Scott's got a few European players. I think he's off to Holland a couple of times. Um, and then I believe June, we're with Sandra in Seattle. Yes. We're going to Seattle. Uh, we are going to have a We Don't Die Seattle weekend event and have seances on either side of the weekend. Um, just yes. if you're, this may be your first show, may not be, but we don't die radio.com is the home base for everything we talk about. And if you scroll down to episode 332, is the episode with Darren, and there'll be um, a live link so that you can check out where he is. In, uh, New Zealand, and then also you'll see our June Seattle event in August. Darren, we're going to be back in Orlando, Florida. We are. Oh, I love Orlando. <laughs> and then in September, we're going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah, we've got amazing. some good things to look forward to. And although, absolutely, depending on when people are listening to this, everything might be 100% sorted. But if you go to the website yeah. now, they might not all be there available to register, but they will be soon and then let's talk about our friends nick and steven at banyan retreat you want to talk yes. about that because they're great they are i met nick and steven oh several years ago now um they run a center in ashford in kent called the banyan retreat um and i'm trying to think the first time i met them it was jan that you sit in our home circle she organized a public it was one of the it was in the early days of scott doing public demonstrations um and Nick and Stephen are very much like myself. Um, they're very sceptical and it, it takes a lot to, they've got very high standards in terms of mediumship. You know, and I know Sam just touched on it earlier, you get a lot of fraudulence out there. Um, but I've been privileged, I suppose, to see some of the best of the best, not just with physical mediumship, but also with mental mediumship. I've seen some of the best um, that I believe are around at this moment in time. Um, so luckily, I can now distinguish between the good and the bad, um, or the, the normal and the fraudulence. Um, same as Nick and Stephen, they've been around for a while. Um, and i never forget the fact the first time I met them, it was doing a demonstration at Banyan. I wasn't even circle leader back then. I just went along because I was with Scott. Um, but they're two of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Um, Stephen, they, they run a spiritualist centre. Um, they do host mediums they host scott um doing various different workshops and events um but i know nick's very nick's done been into healing for a number of years and he's very he's again i'd probably say one of the best in healing you know he really knows his stuff um any question you've got about healing um i can ask him and it'll give you the answer without even thinking about it he knows so much about healing um I believe he is some, he's got specialities in his healing as well. Um, I know he's a Reiki master um, and he's got various different certificates. Um, same as Stephen. Stephen's very much into his healing. Um, and I believe when we was in Orlando last time, I know Nick did a fantastic workshop on healing um, and everyone thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and Stephen was actually doing healing sessions as well as Chikong. 
Chichigong, I'll probably pronounce it wrong. That's um, okay. He's not, well, he um, will be listening because he knows you're talking about him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he will I, be listening. I'm amazed. You know, Darren, I feel like it, it, our journey's not easy. So we it's all not. have full-time jobs and on top of it, we're doing this. But there's yeah. something so rewarding. And also, I'm 53 years old. You're 41. 40. No, no, for, no, for, I'm, no, tell her, I'm 40. 40. Isn't that yeah, funny? We've hit the age. You don't even care. You don't even remember. But the no, thing I'm always is, getting my age wrong. I feel like at this point in my life, and you may feel the same way, I have the best friends that I've ever had. And it's Absolutely. when I've stepped up to the plate, being of service to make a difference. It's like, yeah. here's your reward. So yeah. you and Scott, Nick and Steven, uh, Carrie McLeod, Philip Dykes, beautiful evidential mediums. Uh, Sonia Rinaldi, who's a yeah. scientist in Brazil, I find you all are the best in the business, the best evidence of the afterlife. And the fact that we are together and at all the We Don't Die events and we'll continue yeah. to blossom. Eventually, we're going to take this roadshow worldwide. But I feel just so honored and privileged that I get to be of service. And as a nice little reward, we have fun together. We can go to Disney. We can do whatever. Yeah. Absolutely enough. We're, yeah. we're exactly the same. Um, yeah. You know, we love the work we do and we wouldn't change it for the world. I would never would change what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's exhausting. It's tiring because you're traveling a lot as well as doing other stuff. It's, but you know, I wouldn't change it. No, I would not change. And I do you know, looking back what before I know I mentioned when I first started sitting in home circle, I never would have believed back then I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, but I would not change it for the world. And what, what's like I said, apart from you get, you know, people getting that experience and getting to speak to their loved ones. And I, I cannot, like I said, I've sat in hundreds and to, just to, I, if I had my way, if I was in charge upstairs, so to speak, I would love to have no phenomena in a, in a physical mediumship circle and just have pure communication and have several communicate. I, I, that, that would be my dream. The people in that room that are grieving and suffering to get the communication they need and desire um, to help them. Um, that, I don't know. People, that might be people, the future. It, it might, might be. Who yeah. knows? Um, this I could know, be the start, right? It, oh, well, it could be the start of people, great things. Enough people knowing about it, enough people learning what physical mediumship is, enough people saying, oh, I want to start one of these circles. You know, yeah. you just don't know what can be happening with a thought becoming reality. So, But I remember, was it, Orlando? I think it was Orlando last time we were there. Um, was a couple of, I think we've done two demonstrations there. And in the first one, there was a lot of phenomena, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, there was communication, but there was a lot of phenomena because, again, it's what people desire. Um, but I remember doing the talk in the second demonstration um, and I remember a lovely lady saying she'd love to, she wants to see trumpet phenomena. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I've seen it so often now and I understand if you've never seen it, why you want to see it. And I remember saying to this, um, I can't remember her name, a lovely lady. I remember saying to her, um, I said, what you need to remember, the phenomena is just a part of physical mediumship. I said, at the end of the day, any form of mediumship and physical mediumship it's all about giving that evidence and communication of life after life um, and that evidence from that loved one. Um, and Scott wasn't in the room. But what I loved in that second demonstration, um, after we had that talk, um, I think you remember it, Sanj, there was about six loved ones came through and communicated. That's right. Um, 
And I said to the lady at the end, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, what would you like? Would you like the trumpet phenomena? Or would you like what we've just... They did do some trumpet phenomena. Um, I said, or would you like to see what we've just witnessed? And she's, you know, what we've just witnessed. Because it brings so much joy. It brings me joy hearing people talking to their loved ones and communicating with their loved ones. It's, um, it, it's what we're there for at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Our Orlando event is different than the normal We Don't Die events. The normal We Don't Die events, there's a number of speakers happening over a weekend. Uh, Scott will be speaking and give some um, education about physical mediumship. And then we we would never force anyone to attend a seance. But on either side, right. on the on the Thursday or Wednesday or Monday after, we will hold the seances. But in Orlando, we're there actually for five days, and it's limited Ooh. to about 40 people. And I don't want to say we're locked in because you can certainly leave. It's held at a, a Holiday Inn Resort. And yeah. it's great because you and Scott are there. Yes, we are. Even are there teaching healing. Yep. Carrie yeah. and Phil are there doing demonstrations on mediumship and teaching us all to connect with our um, mediumship and psychic selves and Sonia Rinaldi's coming from Brazil and Sonia actually captures wow. images of people through technology that are living in the afterlife and this year we actually have Dr. Sherry Pearl that's going to be with us who is the top person recording electronic voice phenomena and teaching people how we can work capturing voices ourselves using recorders but the reason I'm telling you this story as yes a shameless plug for our our August event but it's more <laughs> than that you and I know if there's a group of people that are together for a period of time we build a, like a camaraderie and I yeah. actually saw between the seances that happened because it's the same people in, in both seances the first one yes there's trumpet phenomena there's ex- the excitement spirit children could come out and unwrap gifts and play with them and things but the second um, seance where we've been together for so long we've gotten through okay phenomena is great but now this this whole event is about connecting us back with our loved ones and to just yeah. see the power and how free the loved ones are to come through. It's really amazing. So but also you've built that calm, you've built that harmony with each other, not so much mm-hmm. harmony because uh, the key ingredient for a good home circle is everyone has to be in harmony. Um, and I know we, um, there was a period at Ashford um, before I became circle leader, it went horrendously wrong in home circle. Um, and it happened to be on one that Scott wasn't attending. Because um, if Scott's away working, we all continue to sit still as a home circle. Um, something happened in that particular home circle. Um, tempest flared, it erupted. Um, people were shouting at each other. And it, it, it was horrific. Um, and But we had no home circle. We had no circle leader. So I said, well, we've got to. And I didn't tell Scott for a week or so what happened. Um, I kind of kept it from him. But I thought, well, I've got to say something now. because. There's no, there's no harmony in our circle, so we can't continue as a circle without harmony. Um, and I said, to, it was one day I got out of the shower, and as clear as day, I heard John Austin, our circle leader had passed, said to me, you need to disband it. Um, so we did. You know, I was the one that had to get on the phone and tell everyone, you know, people that have been sitting for years, we're, we're disbanding the circle, um, which was quite, considering how far down the line Scott was with de- his development, was quite horrific to do that sure um but then we reformed and here we are today 
you know, continuing. And like I said, you know, I, I'm still great friends with all the guys that you, you know, even though we ended the circle, I'm still great friends with all of them, that they all respected me for why I did it, um, et cetera. Um, and I love them all, yeah, I love them all still to pieces and we still talk to this day. Um, but again, it's like I said earlier, I'm, I'm a believer and things happen for a reason. Um, you don't know at that moment in time, you don't understand at that moment in time. Um, but you just got to go with your gut instincts or, you know, whatever you're interpreting or hearing or sensing and just, you know, just know it will all work out fine in the end. Well, that could be some wonderful closing words because I was just going to ask you. Uh, we've we've had an extra long episode, but it's been fantastic. Yes, I think <laughs> but, I've rambled a bit. <laughs> I, no, not at all. I'm sure our listeners at home or in their car or wherever they're listening have just been on the edge of the seat like I have been. But Darren, it just you can use that advice anywhere. It just Absolutely. doesn't matter how old you are, what you're doing. You're in the perfect place, and it might take years down the road to realize that, ah, I needed to be there experiencing that for where I yeah. am now. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for being our guest today. Well, thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, yes. It's been, it's been lovely. Fun. Oh, I can't wait to see you in person. Back I know, not long. Soon enough. I know. Three months. I know. It'll be here before we know it. And for our listener, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode all past episodes are available on we don't die radio.com. You can scroll down, click on one, listen to it on YouTube or download it. And I will have many, many notes under this episode of um, the different places where you can see Scott and Darren and also oh, some of the books that we talked about and Banyan retreat and other good things. Yay. Also, <laughs> I know we've started doing live um evidential mediumship demonstrations on the platform zoom and so our good friends phil and carrie will be in their home in scotland and doesn't matter where in the world you are you can tune in and they do readings and demonstration and bring through loved ones it's really great so you can find out that as well we have something called our insiders club with this little pop-up that comes when you go to we don't die radio.com. And that's simply my email list. Uh, I don't send you a lot of spam, but I do give you a free copy of my book on PDF for joining and as well as a very healing audio called how to survive grief. If you're a Facebook person, you can type Def- in we don't die listeners. Sorry to interrupt. Definitely worth it for the free gift. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we love, we love gifts. Um, but we don't die listeners. We have a Facebook group of almost 5,000 people that this is what we talk about. And it's a, it's sometimes hard. People in our life have no idea what we're doing and think some of this could be a little bit weird, but there's plenty of people that do believe in the afterlife and we can talk about this openly. So you want to check all that out at we don't die radio.com. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain and always my pleasure to be your host on we don't die radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.